You're listening to the Dustin Gold Stand. All right, folks, it's Dustin Gold, and we are back from the break. Let me tell you a little bit about Poland here. So, one of the great things in this rural area, and I'm comparing this to the um, shopping of property that my wife had been doing in West Virginia, because West Virginia is one of the last frontiers as far as property goes in the United States. In West Virginia, we've been looking at stuff that's, you know, 10 acres, 15 acres, 20 acres, and some of these properties are raw, meaning you're going to have to go in and put a septic system in and put a well in, and some of these properties already have a well and septic. Some do and do not have electricity running to them, so it all depends on what you're looking for, but you can find properties in the range of 50000 up to 250000 This is generally without a home on it, so then you've got to go and build a home. So in this rural area in Poland, I'm starting to look at some properties. My father-in-law was able to grab a, about a two, three-acre property across the street from him with an old sort of 1900s house. Doesn't even have running water. It's basically got to be knocked down. A new house has to be built. But he was able to pick that up for roughly $11,000 U.S. Uh, money. And next door to it, he has another property that he dug a big hole and he let the rain come in and he stocks it with baby fish and they grow up to be big fish and he sits over there and he fishes and then uses that fish to uh, cook and to smoke and such. So there are a lot of these properties around. One of the things here is a lot of people have these massive gardens. A lot of us have been starting to uh, garden this year. Well, these guys have massive, massive gardens all around their homes with these greenhouses with huge, I mean, these are organic heirloom tomatoes, literally this big. I'm not kidding. Uh, for those of you in the audio-only audience, they are the size of like a, like a little gourd pumpkin that you would get for Halloween. I mean, these things are humongous, like a little uh, sourdough loaf of bread. And so they have these... Um, greenhouses and these gardens with beets and carrots and everything is just growing unbelievably well here. And so I'm going to show videos of that in this little mini documentary as well, which will be available at pain.tv when I am done with it. And so a lot of people have this. They've got these sort of one, two acre plots. Everything is fenced in here. My uh, wife's parents have about a 10-acre lot that they sit on with a lot of woods, uh, forest behind them. It's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous in this rural area. So you can pick up land for a very good price. The other thing is a house like they have, which is a one-level new. They built in 2011, 2013. That cost them about 100000 U.S. to build from ground up, stone driveway and everything, fenced-in yard, electric gate, uh, about $100,000. Right now, it would cost about one forty. I figured out. And so in Poland, the average person makes it only about 1350 USD uh, per month, per month. That's about the average. So if you could make U.S. money, if you could come here and you and your wife are making, say, $10,000 a month, you would literally be rich. And so... You could push your money a long way here in Poland, get a nice piece of land, build yourself a really nice house. So far, I would say this area, I would compare it like, uh, and again, I don't understand really what people are saying. I've learned to communicate 
with the limited vocabulary I've picked up here and what I knew from my wife and facial expressions, mannerisms. People are just really nice. It's very rural and sort of rednecky, similar to what we experience uh, back at home. But I would say these people are back to like 1980s U.S., so they still have a smile on their face. They don't hate life right now. Uh, everyone seems to be very happy. They still drive stick shift cars, uh, manual transmission cars. So as far as that goes, it's great. Now, I went to the deli the other day, and I picked up a whole bunch of meat, like 10 Cabanos, they're these uh, long pork uh, sticks, like meat sticks, like the best, you know, jerky you're ever going to eat. These two giant, like, it was a cross between this Cabanos and like a cobasa, and then a big piece of this smoked ham, and I paid the equivalent of $8 US. It would have been about $30, $35 in the States at the Polish store we go to. And then my father-in-law just picked up yesterday from his cousin who owned the farm, he was able to pick up this sack of kobasa. It had to be 10 pounds. At the Polish store, that would have been about $12 a pound, so $120. And then he got a huge piece of white sausage, like really good. It was four pounds. That would have been about $12 a pound. So that would have been about $48. So that would have been $168 US. And then about a two-pound block of this like amazing head cheese like chopped up head meat in a jelly that would have been about 15 a pound at the polish store so that would have been 30 so it would have been about 198 dollars he paid 32 dollars u.s for that so again if you have u.s money here if you're making u.s money you can stretch it really far in poland and i think um with what's happening with the Ukrainian refugees being pushed in that the World Economic Forum and these other worldwide social engineers pushing the technocracy, they've got to speed up the destruction of cultures like this to get it to where the United States is. Uh, They don't have gay pride parades on every corner here like they do in the United States. So they've got a way to ways to go to push this culture. But I'm looking at this as a possibility of being maybe able to squeeze another 10, 15 years out of some level of normalcy, possibly living between here and the United States. But we will have to see about that. Uh, As far as taxes go, because I know everyone wants to know about that, um, you pay 17% tax to Poland on the first, uh, it's roughly, um, I think, 25% something like $25,000 you pay 17% on. And then anything above that, you're going to pay about 32%, but you can take a lot of deductions. It's a much simpler tax code. So if you set up a little business, similar to the United States, but it's not as much paperwork, again, roll yourself back to the 1980s US. Things were a little bit easier. That's how it is here. Everything is not connected with databases and stuff here uh, as it is in the United States. So There's opportunities here. I'm going to explore it more. I may do a whole two hours just on that cost of living because I've got to get out this week and experience a little bit more. And um, we got to buy some stuff for our baby and things. So I'm going to get a better handle. I will say the toothpaste that I buy in the United States for about $5 was a dollar here. So there are a lot. I bought two drinks at the store the other day, like a a cappuccino um, type drink. And then like a fruit juice type drink. 
and it was a dollar sixty U.S. Now those are three dollars or more a piece in the United States right now. The only thing here is uh, gasoline is a little bit more than the United States. They sell it by the liter, and it comes out to about seven dollars a gallon right now. So they're a little higher than the United States. But other than that, so far, land, uh, building a home, food, you know, that cost of living is a lot less than the United States. But if you came here and you were making the average money that someone in Poland would make, it's all relative. So you'd have to make U.S. dollars and then um, be able to live here and buy things in Polish money and you would be very, very wealthy. So it's just an idea. Now, let me talk quickly about the GMO situation, and then we're going to get into this paper, Industrial Society and its Future. Again, this is one farmer. I uh, briefly talked to a couple others. Because they're not dealing with the same GMO situation that we have, it's a little more complex talking to them about it. It's not as common knowledge, but I did some research that backed up what he said. So in 2013, there was eight or nine, and and I'll get into depth on this in another episode. There was eight or nine countries in the European Union that voted to not grow GMOs. But, but, like anything else that involves politics, these big corporate farms are basically allowed to import GMOs grown in other areas and or possibly grow it themselves. So what happens with this gentleman's farm, and it was big, he grows corn, he grows wheat, he grows cereal wheat, he grows rape uh, seed. And so he processes that along with milk that he takes from the cows that he has. He has dairy cows. And They sell the milk to a cheese producer. They sell the grains to a manufacturer. That's really the only way to make money for what's considered to be a small farm. They're not a corporate farm. And so they sell that to the manufacturer. And he said once it gets to the manufacturer, the manufacturers blend in GMOs. Now, even though he is organic, he is using certain types of pesticides, as they do in the United States, Uh, and other chemicals as well, but then that food is technically organic. It gets shipped to the manufacturer. The manufacturer, say, processes the rape into oils, and then GMOs are added into that food. And so he said he's pretty sure that's the situation with, you know, the other countries as well, like Italy. They do the same thing. So the GMOs are mixed, and that's done at the manufacturing level, and those guys have control. But the interesting thing that I picked up from him as well, they have a whole private garden area that feeds the family that's incredible. I shot video of that. Literally cabbages the size of basketballs, and they had like 100 of them growing, probably 500 beets. I mean, it, it was really amazing. I picked up a lot of tips that I will share later with you as well for next year when we're all gardening together. but. He um, also said, so one of the mainstays in the Polish uh, culture and the Polish cuisine is pork. So oh, they have breakfast, then they have dinner at about three thirty, four o'clock, and then supper at about 7 or 8 o'clock. But they have, you know, breads and pastries, but then bacon and sausage, you know, like kielbasa and the cabanos and the smoked hams and everything else. So either you're buying those from like a local small deli, similar to the delis we had all over when I was a kid 30 years ago, uh, even more so before I was born, they have those delis. And then 
the a lot like my father-in-law he has a big smoker he built and he smokes his own bacon and his own sausage and everything but this farm he used to raise pigs and then he would make a ton of sausage every six months for his family and then to sell well over the last several years because of bureaucracy and politics they made it basically impossible for small farms to have pigs now because of the amount of regulations and you just can't buy them only the big farms the corporate farms have the pigs and they will not sell the pigs to the small farms so now he's a farmer who can't have pigs who now has to buy sausage from a butcher friend of his so he's getting a good quality but he is not allowed to have pigs so now the small farms don't even have the pigs which is the pork which is the mainstay of a polish diet so there you go with politics and bureaucracy they've squeezed out the little guy and now the corporate farmers own all of the pigs very similar to what we see going on in the united states going on over here so there's pros and cons to everywhere that you're going to live or you're going to settle down. But that's why I find this stuff to be fascinating because we are able to look at these other cultures and the similarities between ours and theirs. And so that's all I'm going to do with with Poland right now. I want to get this video out to you. I may chop up some clips and put them out in the next episode, but I really want to edit it all together and show you sort of Polish culture, and then go through some of my ideas on how I might build a homestead over here, too. We're really thinking about it. Um, it. It is a possibility. It's almost so cheap that you would have to be stupid not to. The only issue that we're going to run into is travel. Are they going to lock stuff down again? Are they going to require vaccines for monkeypox or whatever else, whatever other disease they're going to come up with for the week? So that's something we have to take into consideration. Again, as I learn, you learn, and I will be sharing all of the information and the intelligence and the knowledge that I gather for myself along with you. Let's take a quick break. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and I'll be right back. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks, we are rocking and rolling here. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And I am in Poland, enjoying delicious meats and pastries. All the salty meats your little heart can desire. But it won't remain that little if you keep eating those salty meats. All right, folks, I want to jump into this paper that I told you about, Industrial Society and Its Future. And for the audio audience, I am going to read it to you as I normally do. And for the video audience, it is up on the screen. Folks, this is Industrial Society and its Future. And I think I'm going to wait, as I mentioned earlier, to tell you about who wrote this. Because that's going to take one or two episodes by itself. And I don't want to mention who it is up front, other than it is a good time for me to review this here. Because... 
the person who wrote it came from Polish ancestry. And his parents, he grew up in Chicago in a Polish area, and his parents, uh, his father was actually a Polish sausage maker. So it kind of really ties in. I was trying to think before I left for Poland when I was going to get to this paper and read it to you and analyze it for you and compare it to what's going on today. And I said on the plane over here, you know what? This is perfect because I didn't even think about the Polish connection. So let's get into this right now. Industrial society and its future. Introduction one, and this is broken up into uh, clips. So one, the industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. And interesting that he brings up, the writer, the author brings up the industrial revolution, as many of us are now facing the false industrial revolution, as Klaus Schwab, our dear leader, would say. So let's get back. The Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. They have greatly increased the life expectancy of those of us who live in, quote, advanced, end quote, countries. But they have destabilized society, have made life unfulfilling, have suggested subjected human beings to indignities have led to widespread psychological suffering in the third world to physical suffering as well and have inflicted severe damage on the natural world now let's just think about this now there are going to be some parts of this that you don't agree with there are going to be parts of this that are sort of a hard pill to swallow i myself in full disclosure Uh, and I said I would get into this probably back in episode one or two. Am I a technophobe? Do I, am I against technology? Well, I do understand that right now I am talking to you. We are able to communicate in almost real time on pain.tv. I will be doing live shows that are going to allow me to talk with you guys on the phone and over chat message. I do understand that I am currently benefiting from technology. I understand that I have air conditioning at home. I understand I drive a car and I have a phone and I have a computer. I get all that. The question is, if I could snap my fingers and make it all go away, would I? You know, I grew up in, I was born in 1981. I went to college in 1999. I was the last generation to not grow up with the internet in my pocket. There was no iPhone when I was in high school. And so I remember the days of playing outside in the woods that surrounded my house and riding my bike all over town to visit my friends and lighting fires and hitting frogs with baseball bats and using bow and arrows and such. And I... When I step back and have stepped back over the years and looked at where we are today from where we came from, and this isn't just somebody who is an old guy now because I'm 41 years old saying this. This is someone, I've looked at this for 10 years, 15 years, even 20 years ago in college when I was being pushed into having to utilize technologies that I was not happy with, doing computer sculpting instead of sculpting by hand. I went to school for industrial design. It wasn't rejecting the technologies. I saw the technologies as making humans actually lazier and making humans less 
sort of proud of what they do is almost being replaced. So instead of sitting down and drawing uh, a design, you were then using a program to do it. And some of that art, some of that skill was taken away by the software, by the technology. And so am I against technology? No, but I don't believe in the end, and the end will prove this, that technology and natural life can coexist because technology will always move towards the destruction of natural life, the destruction of humanity. And I think that is what we are going to see. And if you hear some background noise, I apologize. They're working on a house across the street, and I cannot help it. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not at home in my studio. But fortunately, I'm here in Poland. But so... What I think with technology is that in the end, technology is going to overwhelm humanity, and therefore the two cannot coexist. Does that mean I'm against it? Well, I don't know. It's a necessary evil right now because almost none of us could survive or work or provide for our family without technology. We're forced into it right now. Is it a necessary evil? It's a necessary evil in this moment. I don't think it's necessarily necessary if it did not exist. Humans survived 99.999% of their life on this earth without the modern technologies that we have today. So let's get back to this. And, and he will discuss a little bit about overpopulation as it plays into this. You may or may not agree, but try to not look at this politically. Try to look at this as something as, as a philosophical document and a scientific document from, from this person's perspective and from their background and their understanding of sciences. And this supposedly was a brilliant man, a mathematician. So try to just not look at this like, oh, I don't agree with that politically today, so I'm not going to listen to the overall message. So they have greatly increased the life expectancy of those of us who live in advanced countries, but they have destabilized society, have made life unfulfilling, have subjected human beings to indignities, have led to widespread psychological suffering in the third world to physical suffering as well, and have inflicted severe damage on the natural world. You really cannot argue with that. The continued development of technology will worsen the situation. Remember, this is written in 1995, 27 years ago. The continued development of technology will worsen the situation. It will certainly subject human beings to greater indignities and inflict greater damage on the natural world. Again, you cannot argue with that. Looking where we are today, it's all true. Okay, it's all true. We're replacing humans every day with robots. I posted an article on Twitter saying, hey, Maria Albanese and I talked about this. Mike Moore has talked about this. They are opening a grocery store, a pilot, I think, in North Carolina or South Carolina, where you literally walk in and there's no humans working there. So when it says that... um, They will bring greater indignities and inflict greater damage on the natural world. That's true. It will probably lead to greater social disruption and psychological suffering, and it may lead to increased physical suffering even in advanced countries. And think about it, greater social disruption and psychological suffering. Where are we today? How are people after technology really pushed forward during COVID land, right? Think about it. 
the psychological suffering. Think about all of the social issues, all of the mental illness, all of the trauma, all the problems we have with our children, all of this sort of pride movement stuff that we're dealing with. That's all social disruption and psychological suffering. And it may lead to increased physical suffering, even in advanced countries. And he always puts advanced in quotations, right? Because we like to say advanced, but are they really that advanced? And think about that. Physical suffering, of course there's physical suffering. As humans are going to be unemployed, they are starving, they can't pay their bills. That's suffering. That's physical and mental, but physical through mental. And then you also have, with the advancements in technology, uh, people are eating worse and worse food, right? Brought on by these GMOs that we talked about, this genetic modification. Number two, the industrial technological system may survive or it may break down. Now, again, this is 27 years ago. So there was already this industrial technological system that this author is talking about. But when you think about what's happening now with the World Economic Forum over the last two years wanting to push the button on the Great Reset and now usher us into the next industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, into the fourth industrial era. And what is the main excuse that Klaus Schwab and the rest of these you know, authoritarian, dystopian tyrants talk about is the destruction of the climate, the pollution. I don't believe that all that is made up. I believe there are climate problems. I do believe there's pollution. I believe that actually comes from all of these products, all the dirtying of the planet by the very people who are claiming there's a problem. I believe there's a problem with weather because of the geoengineering and the chemicals that these guys admit to spraying in the air. I think they created the very problem that they try to blame on us. So is it man-made? Oh, yeah, man-made by them. We are generally just the consumers or we work in factories where or work for businesses that produce this type of stuff in which we have no other choice. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a job and we wouldn't be able to buy things at the store. They sell water in the plastic petroleum-based bottles and put them on the shelf, and I have to buy them. I don't make them. I don't make the petroleum-based plastic. The Koch brothers and others do. So the industrial technological system may survive or it may break down. If it survives, it may eventually achieve a low level of physical and psychological suffering, but only after passing through a long and very painful period of adjustment and only at the cost of permanently reducing human beings and many other living organisms to engineered products and mere cogs in the social machine. Think about that. Basically, reducing human beings and other living organisms to engineered products and mere cogs in the social machine. What did Elon Musk, what did Ray Kurzweil call us? They said that we were going to be nodes, nodes within the system. Yuval Noah Harari said that. You have no soul, you have no spirit, you have no free will, you are a hackable animal, you are a node in the system. You are a node in the artificial intelligence hive mind. And so think about it. Think about what this guy predicted 27 years later, that eventually we would be rendered to just cogs in the social machine. 
And that's everything that I've showed you. And I did not do this on purpose. I haven't read this paper in three years. And so this is fresh for me. I wanted to read it again. I said, well, I might as well turn it into a show and read it to you because you need to understand this. You need to see that there were people predicting exactly where we are today, 27 years ago, who was supposedly on our side of the argument, not someone who was doing uh, propaganda or predictive programming, although I'm not sure of that. Now that I look at this in hindsight, it could be just that. But cogs in the social machine. Furthermore, if the system survives, the consequences will be inevitable. There is no way of reforming or modifying the system so as to prevent it from depriving people of dignity and autonomy. Think about that right there. There is no way of reforming or modifying the system so as to prevent it from depriving people of dignity and autonomy. So what they're saying is there's no way to actually reform or to change this technological system to prevent it from overtaking humanity, from taking your human dignity, from taking your autonomy as a human. I mentioned this. I mentioned in a past episode that they want to take your very dignity as a human. They want to steal that from you. And now you are seeing it come true. And it was predicted 27 years ago. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And we will be right back after this short commercial break. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 